The Raw Rugby Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Raw Rugby Podcast, powered by ASICS. I'm Brett McKay. We can only hope you use the last rugby-free weekend wisely because it's seven days a week at the 2023 Rugby World Cup from here and your place for the biggest and best Rugby World Cup discussion all seven days a week is the raw.com.au, Australia's biggest sporting debate. Lots of fun talking to Michael Atkinson on last week's pod. Uh, Outline the Stan Sport coverage of the tournament for our Australian lis- listeners. Um, and he's going to be a busy boy over the next two months as the man on the ground for Stan Sport and the Nine Network from this weekend coming. But joining me this and every week, the man labelled a, quote, Aussie pundit this week on Rugby Pass and departing very soon himself to grace all the cushy boxes in France, unquote. He blew out an extra candle on the weekend. Happy birthday to Harry Jones. Hello, mate. Thank you, Brett. Thank you. Yeah, I spent some of my birthday weekend tinkering with a movie script. As you know, I've been trying to write the first proper rugby movie. Well, all the treatment that turns into the screenplay that turns into the script. Mm. And it's, uh, our, our hero is, um, is a monk who happens to be a prop and he runs along a craggy... <laughs> Uh, ridge in a desolate island off of uh, Ireland and he's training with his Cossack on and he, he dives into the sea and he's got scars and tattoos and you know as he's our hero in this rugby movie we was going to supplant uh, Invictus because it was really terrible the rugby mm. scenes in that movie um, you know we know that this guy's got to fight the, the elements his creator nature revenge his violent nature and a backstory but I'd always thought that there was a tight head prop and this weekend I had this revelation and I said, what's going to make this movie really kill is it's going to be a loose head. <laughs> and I thought, you know what? Also, our budget's kind of strapped on this movie project that I'm working on. So, um, Is that because you've blown it all in travel? Partly. <laughs> but also, like, Morgan Freeman is the key to having a uh, you know, good movie, his voice. Mm. But I thought, I know a guy who's a loose head who's got a voice just like Morgan Freeman, <laughs> except more authentically rugby from a rugby region. Yeah, and we'll yeah. have to learn how to sound like that, and it's going to be it's going to kill. What do you think about that? It's a solid plan. Solid I plan. wonder who that we, might be. We do just happen to know someone. We'll get to him very <laughs> shortly. Uh, you'll be late. You'll be gracing all the corporate boxes in France. Was something leveled at you over the weekend? And I've got to say, Hugh Tyndall might have been onto something. Yeah. Okay. So I'm a man of the people. Um, I just want to say that. You're not above a corporate box, don't a pretend. Certain, a certain yeah, niche of people. <laughs> the, the top end of town people. The cranberry chino elbow. Yes, of course. Yeah. Of course, right of there. course. No, I'll, it, be, I'll be amongst everyone. I'm telling you. I'm gonna die yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Everyone on level C in the corporate <laughs> in the corporate viewing areas. Powered by ASICS, uh, the RAW has in place a wonderful partnership with ASICS, the official performance apparel and footwear supplier to the Wallabies and the superb Wallabies 2023 Rugby World Cup playing strip is available to purchase in-store and online at asics.com.au now. And you might have already seen it online um, and on the socials, the daily unveiling of the RAW's greatest ever Wallabies Rugby World Cup 15 as selected by you from a short list, which in turn was narrowed down from a much bigger list of more than 150 players to have pulled on a Wally jersey at the World Cup. The last few positions in the Raw's greatest ever Wallabies Rugby World Cup 15, powered by Essex, will be unveiled over the next few days, heading into this weekend's tournament's opening games. 
Heroes and zeros, mate. I've got a quick shout out for you, uh, the heroes for the weekend. Um, a shout out to ACT Veterans Rugby here in Canberra, in Australia, who, as well as keeping plenty of old guys in the game because their love for it is too strong and they don't know otherwise, but they also do some great fundraising in the rugby community. And on the on the weekend, just gone, the junior uh, grand finals were were run and won, and congrats to to all the kids that did well. But the vets through their channels and sponsors have been able to put up prizes of $2,000 for the under-16 boys and girls division and the under-18 boys and girls divisions as well. So it makes what they believe is the richest junior tournaments in Australia and possibly well beyond that. So just a shout-out um, to to the vets, um, a lovely bunch of a bunch of blokes who just love the game and I bump That's into right. them yeah. all too often because, dare I say it, kind of approaching that age so that's that's a little something there what do you got from zero wise Matt? well as you know look shark look sharp play sharp as you know yeah. you're, you're a big jersey aficionado england oh, yeah. rfu do they have any money is their budget for clothing as great as my travel budget they've got, they've got money left over from the design of their jersey because they I didn't use place, much yeah uh, i hope there's a place in london uh called savile row i'm reminded of the winds are not what what um I know they invented, you know, most of the uniforms for cricket, you know, the duck pants, the straw hats, David Beckham, Sean Connery, Roger Moore. I mean, you think of, you know, chariots of fire, things like that. And so you have a welcome match and you have England's rugby team in suits. You're expecting grandeur, something very sleek and well-tailored. And instead, um, we kind of get this weird, like, brother-in-law borrowed the suit for the wedding look. Or... The tailor actually said, I'm going to measure Mara Toje, but nobody else. So everyone's going to fit into his yeah. dimensions. Everyone's yeah. wearing 2XL. Extremely <laughs> baggy pants. They, they're you know, low riders beyond hell. And then we have sort of like sack suits from 1985, an indeterminate color, an unconvincing fabric. Um, I'm not sure about these. I think it was a very bad start. So the England's not going to win the cup, but at least they could have won the fashion walk, you know? Mm. Yeah, Wales. On the other hand, no, Wales rocked it. The shoes, they did. Pants, Dan Diggs speaking in French, beautiful. Fiji looked great as well as they will do for the rest of the tournament as well. It's, it's, it's scathing analysis from a bloke who's worn a t-shirt and a backwards cap for seventy plus episodes in a podcast. Yeah, but today because we have a great, a great of the game. I'm dressed. Yeah, we up. do. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. And let's get to that great of the game. Uh, and it is another great guest that Harry is very excited about, and perhaps the strongest ever guest we've ever had on the Raw Rugby Podcast. The Raw Rugby Podcast. To the pod's brand new Durban studios this week, where we welcome onto the pod for the first time a literal giant of South African rugby and the Sharks franchise, man who played 117 tests against 15 different teams, 159 Super Rugby games, all for the Sharks, and never once did he drop a lock on his head. Please have your applause ready, Harry, for Tendai Beast Mtori. Beast. What's happening? Beast. Never once dropped a lock on his head. My everlasting memory of your sheer playing strength is this moment right here. That is incredible strength from Beast Mtorira. To hold Anton Bresler up like that. Whip him back and whip him back over. Saved him a potentially serious injury. Got them all, don't collapse it. May well have stolen this for the storm as he has. 
Well, I'm sure we're going to get another look at this beast in Tuarira. Unbelievable strength. Breslad was, you climbed high in the sky to take this kick off. Look at that. Up he goes. Over the top he goes. And there the beast has got him in an absolute gymnastics hold. Whoops him back down. Oh, that's just brilliant strength. Unbelievable strength. But it wasn't just Anton Bresler, was it? It was also Keegan Daniel in a Curry Cup game. It was Eben Itzabeth in a test. Did Locks get nervous when you walked into a gym? Did you just start lifting blokes? <laughs> you know what I guess it was, man? You know, kind of my my gift, you know, a natural ability, you know, to pick up heavy weights and also pick up some heavy locks, you know. So they always do, you know, they always used to compete every time on a, whether it was a kickoff or a line out. They always wanted to be next to them because they knew that I would never drop them. So it's a good compliment. Absolutely. <laughs> it like a trick, like maybe those goalies that dive when they don't have to dive. I felt like sometimes you did it on purpose. Like, hey, I'm just going to flip you around, eh? Boom, back. I know, it became a bit of a, like a, you know, a show, you know, put on a show for the, for the fans, you know? So sometimes I'll just let them hang, uh, you know, out there for uh, a couple of extra seconds. My, my favourite... My favourite part of that Anton Bresler clip is that you can hear the crowd reaction when the replay is shown on the screen, and suddenly the whole crowd is just going, oh, my God. <laughs> it's, it's unreal. Yeah, Beast, you did bring out the, the vocals and the crowds. I mean, just your name became a thing. Yes. Like, even even opposing Beast. crowds. I, I, you could go to Murrayfield. You could go to, to Dublin, and they would say, Beast. And I was thinking that the box don't really have someone right now that you can use. Like, like Quaha doesn't really work. Ox, no. Ox, Bongi, Bongi. We need maybe Evan Roos should play just so the Roos could come yeah. back. <laughs> I know, I know. It's, you know, I think, I think, you know, there's definitely somebody that could take over for me, but it's something that became synonymous, you know, uh, you know, with me playing on the pitch and uh, something that I truly treasure to have. You know, thousands of fans chanting and screaming my name. It was epic. It gave me that extra kind of, yeah. you know, and, you know, was, energy to keep going. I was going to say, it, it must give you a lift. You, you couldn't not get a lift after hearing that. Yeah, and no, it certainly did give me a lift. And it just didn't give me only, to, you know, the rest of the team as well started yeah. to feed off that energy. And it became, you know, uh, something iconic, you know, from every stadium, you know, even to that final in, in, in Tokyo and in Japan, you know, was pretty crazy. So it's something that I truly miss that I've retired, you know. <laughs> just oh. just start walking down the streets in France next week and I'll be singing it out too. I've got no doubt at all. No, I think, that, we, I think that, that people yelling Beast even got to you, Beast, because at some point you started developing a goose step. It was, it was like the final year of your <laughs> career and you thought you were Cheslin Colby. And, I mean, that, that's where he learned it from, let's be honest, right? Yeah, I know it's, it's like a prop's dream, you know, to be on the wing, get the ball, you know, you good step, you sidestep the next guy, and then you go score a try. So every time when I got it, I used to, you know, obviously use uh -huh. it as a kind of way to kickstart into my uh, into my <laughs> run. So the boys used to tease me. Uh, they're like, Beast, you don't have to goose all the time, you know. <laughs> not fooling anyone. No one is tricked by that. Yeah. I, I reminded, I'm reminded, Beast, James Slipper scored two tries against the Waratahs in a Super Rugby game this year, and I interviewed him on radio straight after the game, and I said, when was the last time you scored two tries in a game? And he said, I don't think I ever scored two tries even in the backyard. So true, uh, with the props, you know, it's like a real occasion to score. So you yeah, got to soak yeah. it in when it happens. Uh, Absolutely. And I was, 
Yeah, I was unfortunate to not score many tries, and I got held up a lot of times over the line. But you know, I treasure the moments that I got over the line. Of course, of course. We we start uh, we start our great rugby chats the same place every week, Beast, and that is just to simply ask you what stood out for you on the rugby weekend. And you'd have to have searched a bit further and a bit deeper to find a bit of rugby this weekend. Just gone. Um, yeah, this, this past weekend, you mean like some of the games? Yeah, that we played. yeah. Or the, yeah. or the week, the whole week, maybe. Yeah. Okay. I think probably the game that's you know in my head right now is the the box uh, against the All Blacks. Yeah. And that was over a week ago. I think that was probably one of the best performances I've ever seen. You know, Springbok team produce on the field of play, and the way we put away the All Blacks. You know, they had no answer, and uh, for me that was just a huge confidence booster going into a World Cup. And I know the boys are going to thrive off that. You know, that big win. Did, yeah, they, did no that make you, did that make you want to get back? Is that the kind of game you watch? You go, oh no, I yeah. would. <laughs> you know, and it's exactly that. You're sitting on the, on the couch and you, you know, you're watching the game and you're into it. And I was on the edge of the seat, and uh, you know, to see that performance, you know, I was like, it would have been great to be a part of that. But you know what? I've got no regrets. I got to win, <laughs> you know, a couple of times against the old blacks, and yeah. so I'm, I'm a fan. I'm just rooting for the boys. I want them to be successful. It's a lot easier to walk on Sundays and Mondays when you're when you're retired, Beast, that's for yeah, sure. Yeah, I can, I can turn my neck left and right, so you know. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Harry, what stood out for you on the weekend, mate? Uh, the dueling narratives. The World Cup's not just about, you know, play on the field, but it's who's the underdog and who has the most adversity. So the French have already started to whine about the fact that they've lost Mon Dieu, la prop, Mon Dieu, a lock, uh, their fly-off and a midfielder. Hello, did Australia lose a prop? Uh, I think so. Did they lose uh, a 10? Did they lose? I mean, I guess they lost a 10. We don't know exactly what happened with Quaid. But Michael Lennon, Atkinson didn't read his name out. Let it get out. <laughs> the box have lost uh, their line-out caller, a three-copper, uh, their vice-captain, a three-copper, um, and uh, a prop. Uh, so, I mean, I, I think when you look at it, it's ridiculous to say that one team has got, you know, the only team that's lost. So there's dueling narratives. I'm looking forward to seeing what the excuses are again, but it's all good fun. Now, everyone's saying, I'm the underdog. No, no, I'm the underdog. Yeah, no, yeah. I get a favorite. I'm a, I'm a bigger underdog. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But I've, I, I'm sure you've, I know you've seen it because we shared the clip. This Bizarre incident from the top 14 clash on the weekend between Claremont and La Rochelle, where former Irish international La Rochelle coach Ronan O'Gara was shoved oh, twice yeah. by uh, the Claremont uh, fly half Benjamin Udipeleta um, after a kick sailed past him into touch. And that was bizarre. I mean, Ronan O'Gara is standing in the technical area. He's trying to avoid the ball that's been kicked at him. And suddenly he's got an opposition player having a crack at him. Have you ever seen that before? That is ridiculous. I would like to see an Argentine player do that to Rossi and see what happens next. <laughs> <laughs> oh, which uh, which which opposition fly half turned coach would you have liked to have a crack at on the on the on the sideline, Beast? <laughs> oh, you know what? Probably Michael Chicka. You know? <laughs> ah, there you go. Yeah, oh, man, for some reason, he always used to have, uh, you know, a couple of words to say against the Springboks. So, you know, me, me and him could have had a nice tussle on the sidelines, you know. South Africa is just humming as a team and the, the sheer 
depths that they will go to to find advantage on the rugby field now, Beast. This this whole 7-1 bench, should the box just be expelled from international rugby? This is just going too far, surely. <laughs> I think it's going too far, mate. I think they need, to, they need to have some sort of disciplinary hearing for them because it doesn't make any sense. Uh, I'm kidding. Come on now. They must do whatever they want. Put a a you know zero split on the on the base because it works for us you know we play to our strengths it's been something that we've always done in the past and it's resulted in us winning world cup so why shouldn't we do that and why is people you know questioning and having a rant about something that works for us so i don't get that it's an extraordinary overreaction to a change that was made an hour before kickoff (laughs) i know i just it does not make only a thing because it worked, right? If it hadn't yeah, worked, yes. for some reason it backfired, it would have been, oh my gosh, Rossi Erasmus has lost the plot. He doesn't know yeah. what he's doing anymore. And you think about it, so in the World Cup final where um, Beast ended another English props dreams, uh, <laughs> and they said the whole problem was uh, we had to put Dan Cole on for 70 plus minutes, right? That was the one of the narratives. Mm-hmm. We lost it because. Well, then why, why wouldn't they want to have seven forwards on the bench and have you know, even more props. So I don't yeah. understand. Like it's been proven over and over that your depth in the pack is going to be the thing that really does get you yeah. in a knockout match for everything. And you can usually mix and match uh, backs. I think the interesting thing is the only reason why I worked at all is because Pacha Smith is a special player, right? So yes. you have to have for the seven one to work. It's about Pacha Smith replacing Billy Larue. That's all that happened. That's yeah, yeah. And look, it. it if Quaker Smith had to play outside centre for 65 minutes, this conversation wouldn't be happening, would it? <laughs> Just <laughs> would not happen. Mind you, I'm, I'm sure he'd give it a he'd give it a red hot crack. That's for for sure. It's 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 been funny to us, Beast, ever since we had Eddie Jones on back in June, um, and we talked about bench splits, something like that, and he's he said we're going to go seven one, and we just laughed our heads off. <laughs> so ever since we've been waiting for it to happen, and bag Rassi delivers for us so it was it was quite quite unbelievable what what i find extraordinary about this um this box squad at the moment is that the side you played in in 2019 in the final it's largely the same squad going to france four years later it's it's quite incredible that such a a huge part of that squad has been able to stay together for four whole years to go again and be one of the tournament favorites again yeah, I think it's remarkable. I think, you know, most of the guys have stayed healthy, you know, and there's there has been ups and downs, you know, a guy like Dwayne, you know, he lost some form over the last couple of years, but he came back now, you know, with a vengeance because he's got a point to prove. So, but, you know, the bulk of the team, the core group has stayed together and it was kind of Rusty's dream and Jock, you know, to keep this squad, you know, from 2018, you know, win a World Cup and then you know, bring him all the way to 23 and then win back-to-back World Cups. So that has always been the bigger picture. And I think there's also now an addition of, you know, young, exciting kids like Kanan Moody, man. He's, he's uh, yeah. you know, super, you know, um, talented and uh, probably one of the young prospects that are going to really perform well on the big stage. And then Aaron says, as well. So I think there's a good balance. There's a good mix of, you know, seasoned players and, you know, youth. So I think that's going to board well for us in this uh, World Cup campaign. Yeah, the spine. The spine is the thing that's uh, tested. You have people that are, will play, will be playing in the third cup. Uh, and had uh, Andre Pollard not gone down, he might still come back in uh, and lure it. You'd have, I think, nine players who had three cups. 
Um, but then you can slot in a guy like Moody or Arnsa, you know, and they can fit into the hole. The one, the, the one exception, of course, is Marty Lubbock. Marty Lubbock's being put into a very critical position. Pretty young in in his block career. He's not that young, but he's, you know, what do you? How do you see Marty Lubbock standing up to the pressure of taking, you know, a goal kick to win the match in Marseille against Scotland uh, in a week? You know, I was I was concerned, you know, when the squad was initially announced and Andre wasn't there because he's the guy to step up for the big moments. But what I've seen from Money Lebok, you know, over this uh, past, you know, couple of seasons, you know, he's just been getting better. And I know that people are concerned about his, you know, uh, goal kicking percentage. And uh, I think he shot a lot of people up, you know, when he, you know, scored 100% uh, goal kicks against uh, the All Blacks. You know, and I think he's going to get a lot of confidence from that. So I think for him, it's a game by game, you know, take it game by game. And then hopefully by the playoffs, you know, he will be ready to take, a, you know, that huge penalty to win a quarterfinal against the French or the All Blacks. So I believe in him, you know, he deserves his chance. Yes, Andre, we need him back in the squad, you know, just gives that cements that, you know, that that dip that we want, you know, especially at, at number 10. So I just think that money should be given the chance and, 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 and be backed fully. And I believe that he will step up. On Kane and Moody, I mean, uh, Australian fans obviously saw him in a kind of a nightmare situation, pluck a ball from the sky in Sydney at the Lions Stadium a year ago. But he's a big guy. That's the thing that people don't realize how tall he is, how long-armed he is. He's got big wingspan. Is he? I think Rapport is uh, saying that he's going to be starting as the Duhan stopper. As he's the guy who can who can contain Duhan from the Marabah because they don't like the size maybe of of Colby. Is that is that what you're hearing as well? Uh, not really. I just think, you know, any of those wings, uh, you know, Chislin, you know, Kane and Aaron, sir, you know, they've got that big heart, you know, and they're, you know, they're, they're brave enough to tackle Duan, you know, so I don't think Duan is John alone. He's not, he's not that unstoppable, you know, he's good, but he's not that good. So I believe that, you know, any of those wingers, if they start, they're going to obviously go for him. And I know Jock, you know, Jock is originally a defensive coach. So you will make sure that he poses that challenge that I don't want this guy to, to get, you know, gain meters against us and get a sentence. So they, whoever starts in that position is definitely going to make sure that they handle him. He does fancy running out of English centers, though. Yeah. Do I? <laughs> <laughs> he does. <laughs> he does. I call I call him a, I call him an Afrikaner android because he doesn't look actually he looks like he's designed in a laboratory or something he's just perfect. <laughs> <laughs> he's um, he's got a special. So speaking of um, you know the the jerseys the ones that came out the Nike ones for uh, the box they're very tight around the arms and I'm wondering have you actually tried one on because I put one on for this show today and I couldn't breathe <laughs> and then I had to have uh, my strongest neighbor pull it off. Like when you're a when you're a prop, like Franz Pereira, his arms are like busting the seams of that thing. <laughs> I, I, I know sometimes you know they don't take that into consideration because I, I was I, I was I was fortunate, you know, I was blessed to to uh, to be quite lean. So most of those jerseys would fit, you know, they would take the mold of my body. But you know, for France, you know, for other the other big props. Man, it's like uncomfortable. You know, you can see his belly is just barely, you know, sticking inside. <laughs> so it's pretty tough. They gotta, you know, you gotta design it according to body shapes. You know, take yeah. everybody. Yo, and, and also after the, after the match, when the, the players, you know, the wings come together, the centers go, hey, let's swap jerseys. 
the props. Uh, Y'all know. Let's just keep our eyes on. Let's swap. Let's swap fresh training shirts. Is this where you reveal that the new Nike jersey have actually got secret zippers down the side here? Is that, is that uh, how it works? I mean, sometimes in your career, I think there was a certain uh, style of Bach jersey that was very tight. Like, um, like, are you? Ha- do you have to have someone help you take it off in the change rooms at the end? I mean, yeah. I, I couldn't believe how tight they got for a while. Yeah, that's true. You gotta ask your mate to to pull it off. Yeah, otherwise it's going to rip. Something's going to, you know, the sims are going to come off. So you need somebody to help you take it off. So tell me about the scrums themselves. When you're down there packing, you know, it's, it's like for all the marbles. How much are props talking to you? Um, you know, you got a a big doist like Joe Marler, like sitting right next to you. His beard is his beard is velcroing with your beard. You're cheek to cheek, face to face. What's he saying to you in those kind of moments? Well, I guess he's a loose head, but someone like that. You know, when I played, uh, it was usually just you know, you know, business. You know, you, you're there to handle your business. You want to get you know, obviously your scrum. You want to get your ball. So uh, there was never too much chit chat. But obviously, Joe Muller brought a different dimension. You know, he would chirp and say a couple of things. Uh, but, you know, I've got some funny stories, you know, from playing against Argentina. Um, the one time, you know, uh, Romero Herrera. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the one time we played against each other in Salta. And, um, you know, this is a guy that was quite destructive in his time. And he had just come back from an injury and he wasn't match fit. And, um, yeah, you know, that day we, we had them, um, you know, under the pump, you know, we were drilling them. And he was not ma- fully match fit and he was struggling a little bit. And then next thing, uh, it was a, there was a little break before a scrum and he tried to just, you know, speak to me and, and in his Spanish accent. He's like, can you take it easy? Take it easy. You know, <laughs> <laughs> so, that was, just, you know, the, the little conversations I've heard there. So he was trying to calm me down. But I was like, you know what? You know, I'm about to ramp it up now. Now just you know, <laughs> You're gonna rip it up. <laughs> did you did you have a did you have a favorite tight head that you just loved the 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 contest? Yeah, I think a guy like Owen Franks, you know, um he was a special opponent, you know. I got to play against him many times. And we kind of started off our journeys at the same time playing, you know, international rugby. And then uh, uh, Super Rugby. So we played consistently against each other. And he was, yeah. uh, you know, a tough customer. But, you know, you made me better. And every time, you know, we faced each other, it was it was, uh, it was was a battle. So I think he was somebody that I, like, you know, really enjoyed facing and respected a hell of a lot. And you, and you swapped jerseys via post a few weeks later. Yeah. And <laughs> they didn't seem that civilized, the Franks brothers. They seemed like people who might, like, shoot animals and stick them under their bed or like bench press a fridge or something is it i think that i think they might have been oh <laughs> uh, jeez I, you know i just know they're obsessed with, with jim man i think i think owen has got some uh a partnership with the gym or his own gym but he's always uh you know uh, coming up with those videos uh this power lifting videos it's a passion of his yeah but, uh, you know you know it's just something that they love but i i don't think they're it's weird not- i don't I didn't see that. So I know, Beast, you started as a loose forward, I think, at some point. I know uh, with loose forwards, you're always picking the rocks that you have to attack. Um, the best open siders even have a almost a ratio. Like, I'm not going to go on everyone, every five maybe. Um, in scrums, is it the same? Because you're famous for 
you know, big moments, the Lions tour, but also um, in the World Cup final, literally attacking someone where they, they just crumpled or they stood up or they couldn't go. Did you have a plan that you would attack them at that scrum or was it just what you felt? Like you felt them melting and then you go, or did you have a specific thing like, this is the one, I can feel it, we're going to go with this one? I think for me, it was, you know, going in 100% all the time. You know, I think that was always the mentality. And I think, you know, those those scrums that you see, you know, the big moments, you know, they were just a result, you know, of the, you know, the efforts, you know, and the training and the preparation before that and now paying dividends. So, you know, like against Phil Vickery, I was, you know, I was the lesser opponent. I was a youngster just you know, barely, you know, starting off my international career now facing this, you know, decorated legend, you know, guy who had captained England. And uh, for me, it was like, uh, you know, you know, something that I was, you know, looking forward to and raving to go. So a few vigory obviously looked down upon me and there was a couple of articles before that that, you know, really motivated me saying, you know, this young 22 year old, you know, what is he going to bring to the table? So, it kind of motivated me, and then I think on this side he got a little bit, you know, too comfortable um, and uh, rested on his laurels, and that's why, you know, that's why I gave him a bit of a shock in that first Test match against the British Ice Lions. And I think, you know, the same, you know, you look at all the games that I've played, I can tell you, you know, I can pinpoint specific moments that this was just a combination of all the hard work, you know, me and Bismarck, you know, scrummed with Bismarck for a lot of my. Um, you know, my, 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 my career and uh, it was all the work that we do, did off the field that mm-hmm. paid dividends and yeah, so I'm just grateful that, you know, I had those big moments and, and very important games. So, so in those moments, Beast, and I'm thinking straight away of the of the 2019 final where the front row and, and you particularly just scrummed England off the park. Was there, is there a concerted effort between the three of you up front like are you have you got a bit of a plan or is there are you so used to each other and you're so used to your you, 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 the way you fit together that you just know where the weight's got to go no it's it's a it's it's, it's a lot of hard work that yeah. results in that kind of domination i can tell you uh you know our training regimen you know before the World Cup, going into the World Cup, it was serious stuff, man. We used to kill each other training. So you had, you know, a, you know, a guy like Stephen Kitsov and myself who could have started. You know, we both were, could have started for the Boca. But because Rusty just said, you know what, you you have to show me, you know, who wants it more. And we went for each other at training and it was brutal. So when we got to, to game day, I promise you, like the opposition were... You know, we're not even a contest compared to what we had faced during the week. Yeah. So that's what prepped us. You know, that 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 final, those scrums were so easy compared to, you know, what we experienced on the training pitch because, you know, we were trying to make each other better, you know, yeah. iron sharp iron. So that's, uh, you know, that's why it felt like it was just another day on the park, but that took a lot of hard work, you know, to produce such a performance. It's a hell of a day on the park. Listen to yeah. the cup at the end of it. <laughs> yeah, that was special. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was looking at uh, to that point of um, of how the squad depth really helps you, and it makes sense. You know, if you have two full front rows with some backups, uh, you're going to have better training sessions because nothing can replicate that. You know, there's no scrum machine. 
that can replicate a wiggling shoulder and a you know dodgy bind. Uh, you look at Africa; they've got six about sixty knockout uh, matches in the World Cup in the squad. You know, if you took all the number of knockout matches that anyone had played, you got sixty. Uh, New Zealand forty, and then you have a big drop off to the Irish and the French, who only have combined ten each. Do you so to be the big story of this World Cup is going to be this you know quarterfinal smash up between these four teams, you know, with Scotland an outlier. But do you think that even though the form of Ireland and France is so good and these people really do play amazing rugby, but they only have 10 or so World Cup knockouts between them versus the hundred that New Zealand and South Africa have, which one do you think plays out? Uh, and I suppose it's about whether you hang on too long, you know, are the old guys too old or the young guys too young? Uh, I think it, it, you know, bodes well for, you know, for our, um, performance or you know far playing you know in the big games and i think it's something that we've always embraced you know um and i think having the bulk of the squad that was part of that 2019 now playing you know in, in, in this world cup uh, i think it's really gonna give us uh an advantage you know over an island over france so i think you know we're gonna have to see you know what kind of animal they are you know when they faced you know with a with a big game with a big uh moment you know and see how they react so i just think for us as the springboks you know we'll definitely rely on that experience and we have been there we've been back in a corner before so we know how to fight how to fight back what's what's the difference between you know the heineken cup final or uh, a curry cup final super round super rugby final and then a world cup semi or a world cup final like what does it feel mm -hmm. like is it is it down to emotions? Is it down to that the your whole country's waiting, you know, for you? You know, you know, how does it feel when you're in those bigger matches? I think you feel a huge, um, great sense of pride. Uh, I think, especially you know, being a Springbok, and Rossi always used to tell us that you know, pressure is a privilege. You know, um, you are in this. You know, other kids out there, other people out there would dream of being in your shoes. So when you are playing in a big final, you must know that, um, you know, this is a privilege to be in that final and you handle it in that manner and not get, you know, things, you know, uh, like the moment, you know, to get to you and distract you, you know, the media, whatever, write-ups that might be in the paper. So just focusing on the moment, you know, is a big deal. And then you mentioned, you know, the difference between the Super Rugby final and Heineken Cup final and, and then the World Cup you know, it's it's totally different. You know, this is the pinnacle. You know, this is like what you have dreamed of since you were a kid. You know, you want to play on the biggest stage. You want to win a World Cup. You've watched, you know, Francois Pina hold that World Cup before. You watched John Smith. And now it's like you want to be there. You want to also hold that World Cup. So it just it's just the it's the pinnacle of playing rugby. You know, playing in the World Cup final. Rugby on the raw. Beast, you and uh, you and Big Jim Hamilton did your tournament predictions for a great video on the Rugby World Cup site, in fact, uh, and we will get into that in just a second. Who is the box biggest threat in in Pool B? Who who are you who have you really got your, your eye on? The Irish, um, no doubt. You know, I think Ireland have uh, been consistently number one over the last four years for a reason. You know, they've been playing good, great rugby. And also, they've, you know, they've had their chokers hold for, you know, for a long, long time. 
and I think they want to break that. So they would they targeted that Springboard game you know, to to really show that you know they have arrived and now this is their time. So I think if we can you know uh, perform and um, really dominate them and win that Irish game, I think it's going to give us obviously a lot of momentum going into the into the quarters. So I think yeah, Ireland is definitely by far the biggest game for us. The 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 predictions and it was a really it was a really good conversation to, to to watch how you got through it. You at one point you both had Japan in the quarterfinal and then you bumped them out. And I think uh, <laughs> yeah. Jim, Big Jim had um, had Georgia going through in 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 pool in pool C. You in the end had New Zealand beating Australia in one semi final. The box beating Fiji in the other semi final. Then you had South Africa beating New Zealand to become the first country to win a fourth Rugby World Cup. You're really impressed by Fiji right now, aren't you? I am uh, impressed by Fiji in a big way. And I think they've been improving um, consistently over the last four years. And I think their performance in Japan was pretty special. Um, And I think, you know, they've kept the bulk of the players. You know, I think Semi Radrara, He's a great leader, and uh, you know now they just beat England for the first time. So I see them really cause some huge up- upsets at the World Cup. Uh, I know they've got a, probably the the only issue with them is their pack. You know I think if they can if they can you know get their set piece ball, um, get the you know the backs on on the front foot, it's going to be pretty tough to to stop them. So I I, I believe in Fiji 110. Yeah, uh, they're. A- they're a good and they were fantastic against England. We we said it we said it as much last week. They were just so good in in being there. When I heard you putting Australia through the semi-final, I thought, whoa, okay, this is good. I'm happy here. This is fantastic. <laughs> what what makes you believe the Wallabies can can win through with their current form line right now? I just know that, you know, the Aussies never give up. You know, that's one thing. Um, that's one thing that I respect about you know the Wallabies, and I know with Eddie, you know he's 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 not a coach that you can underestimate. And yes, they have been poor. They haven't won a game, uh, you know, going into the World Cup, which is not great. But I, I believe that you know they still have you know a, a big point to prove. They have got a easier path, you know, to the finals. So I believe that they, they're gonna they're gonna show up and they're gonna um, obviously um, you know write off some of those uh, bad comments you know from the media and the doubters you know that they're gonna prove them wrong. So yeah, I've I've just got a hunch about it. So <laughs> hopefully they prove me right. So let's see what happens. No, look, I'm I'm well on I'm well on board with the the beast bandwagon. I'm going all the way through. If beast says Australia can get through, I'm I'm fully on board. We can. We can we can get right through that. What have, island you've touched on? What have you made of France and New Zealand? They France just look ominous to me. Yeah, no, the French, uh, you know, the French are on high. Yes, they've lost a, you know, a couple of players, um, which is um, not great. I think it's going to it's obviously going to expose uh, probably the the the, the leg of their of, of of depth, you know, in their squad. Mm. Um, so I think that you know they're gonna they're gonna step it up, you know, and um, you know for New Zealand, they are right now probably in the same position we were in 2016 uh, when the rest of the rugby world just wrote us off, say that we you know we're probably the worst Springbok team ever. So they're experiencing you know you know the worst kind of publicity, and I believe that it's gonna really 
bring them together, you know, and just, uh, you know, make them show the rest of the world, you know, who they are, their identity when they get to the World Cup, because they're still the All Blacks. So I think they're, they're going to, they're, they're a wounded animal right now. So they're going to yeah. lash out and show who yeah. they are. So, yeah. Makes them, makes them dangerous. Yeah. So, Bisa, uh, the next thing about, uh, next thing in your career, I think, should be fashion designer. And I have a whole plan uh, worked out for you. I've been looking at names, uh, trying to figure out a name like uh, Beastberry or Beast Loren or uh, Beast Loren or, or, or Beast, Beast Natan. Beast Loren. I'm working on it. Beast yeah. Loren sounds like some sort of baked food. Me, I'll be your agent. We're gonna we're gonna go big big time uh, worldwide on this, and uh, I just wanted to make sure that speaking of fashion, so the shape of the game. Uh, props cannot really under this way of refereeing and making the game flow so much. You can, it's hard to play 80 minutes when you're a prop now. It's almost impossible. In fact, it's almost more like everyone's going to go to the style of shifting props off at 50, 45 minutes um, because they just don't have enough breaks, right? So, so that, that could just switch out a whole scrum. It's 47 minutes. That's, that's, my, that's, that's the modern my, game now. But that's my point. A lot of these rules yeah. came to like, let's make sure that the – the big bad box uh, can't win it again. I think it actually favors the box because now everyone is fit. I don't care if you're tired for a long, you can run around and be pretty uh, passing. You're still tired because you weigh 120 kilograms. Yeah. Now that's, that's certainly true. Um, yeah. I think we have, we have, um, we've had an influence on the rest of the rugby world because of that, you know, bomb squad effect. But I think the, you know, well, the way I see it is that there's no team out there that has the same quality kind of, you know, props that we have that, you know, to come on and yeah. do the same job as the starters. Like, you know, I look at Ireland, just, you know, Todd Furlong is, you know, he's a special, um, you know, individual for that team. And he, you know, he really, um, you know, adds a lot of value in what they're trying to achieve. So I don't see them like, you know, substituting him come you know 45th minute he's going to play till 65th or 70th minute because he's such a crucial member of mm -hmm. that squad so you know so that i don't I, yeah i don't see any other team you know that will be able to put on finishes like we did with the bomb squad you know so yeah it's it's it's, it's sad but that's the way it is <laughs> did, did it did it change the way you played in your last few years that knowing that you just had to Go out, go back out after half time. Go your hardest for ten minutes, and then you're hooked off. Did, like, did it? Did it change your your mindset and your preparation? Yeah, it did. I changed my approach because um, you know, in the past, probably I knew that I would have played you know sixty to seventy minutes and sometimes yeah. eighty minutes. So I would, yeah, I would give it my all, but I would in a way pace myself. Um, and I would always like catch the second wind at the beginning of the second half, and then I would, you know, then it's you know go the full stretch. But now it forced me to really just exert all my energy because Rusty was like, you know, are you only going to play 45 minutes, you know, 40 to 45 minutes, so make sure that you empty the tank. So it changed my approach, you know. So I just like threw the kitchen sink at it, you know, scrum my best, and uh, by the time I got off, I knew, you know, I knew that I've given it my all. So it, did, it really definitely changed my approach to, to, you know, to playing test matches, especially. Beast, mm. the most controversial uh, man in the setup, the Springbok setup, is Rassi Erasmus. Uh, the players are, by and large, not very penalized, not very carded. Um, 
very quiet by nature. You don't see them in fights, actually, even. Ibn Etzebeth is the only one who's sort of a scary guy. But Rossi Erasmus has a lot of opinions about him around the world. What's your experience with him as a man, just as a person who hung out with him for months and months at a time? Yeah, no, Rossi is quite, you know, he's quite laid back. And, um, you know, he's the kind of guy who's never going to just, uh, you know, accept the status quo, you know. If you see something that he's, he's not happy with, you will definitely challenge it and you will speak up. And uh, his, message, his message to the squad was always that, you know, let me take all the shots. Don't worry about it. You do your yeah. job. And do, yeah. Let me take all the shots so you'll put himself out there, you know, and you'll be borderline, you know, kind of, you know, almost getting banned or getting some sort of warning for world rugby. But he's not the guy that's going to stand there and say nothing. So he was a disruptor even when he played. You know, he even yeah. says, even when you watched him, he was a guy who always used to question what the ref is saying and even to the coaching stuff. So he's always been that by nature. And um, yeah, but when you're with him behind the scenes, he's laid back, enjoys a nice beer and and a bride. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's some similarities for Australian fans there with Eddie Jones. Eddie Jones, mm. uh, in, in different ways, has taken on a lot of heat. Um, he puts himself, I mean, the, the most dangerous place in the world is between Eddie Jones and a camera, right? Like, don't put any shade on the guy. But he, but the effect of it in the end is maybe he has, he has young, he's picked a young squad except for James Slipper uh, and Nick White, and so maybe they believe in him because he's the guy. He's the he takes the heat. Uh, is, is that something you can do in a short time? Eddie doesn't have much time. He has to make a us versus the world. You know, I'll stand there for you. Yeah, I think as a player, uh, it's it's something that 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 you respect of a coach. You know. When they say that they're willing to take shots for you, uh, I think it's a it's a it's a it's a big deal, you know. And not too many coaches did that, you know, in the past, especially when I played for the box. So you know, they were always you know trying to conform and just you know do what they were told. But with the Rusty, you know, he's the kind of guy who's like, you know, I'm going to fight for you guys, you know. I'm going to go on the front line for you. So that makes you in turn want to go do the same for him when you go on the field. You want to go and play your heart out for the coach because you know that he's got your back completely. So it's a big deal. And I know, you know, the most dangerous place is definitely between Eddie and the camera. I've seen some of those press conferences. I'm like, mate, mate, mate. I'd reckon it's pretty dangerous between, between Rassi and his video editing deck, surely. <laughs> I imagine a very, like a big bunker. He has a whole bunker where he does that all day. <laughs> he's just got, he's got rows and rows of tape. Yeah, exactly. So guys, what do you, what do you think a week out? Who, who's going to definitely qualify from, um, from Australia's group? So you have Wales, Fiji and Australia. Gun to your head. Which I, two, which two qualify? I'm with the beast. I think, I think Australia. Fiji, you get through. So no one's seen Wales, even though they got all these lions, lions, lions. No. I, two two weeks ago, and I think I said this last week. Two weeks ago, three weeks ago, when they beat England and beat them well, I sort of thought, oh, okay, there's something going on here. But I feel like they haven't moved since then. Whereas Fiji definitely have, and Australia will. I get kicked off my own podcast if I don't get Australia going through, do I? So. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be at the Wales uh, Australia match, and I, that's shaping up to be a really. Oh, big it's going to be a cracking game. Yeah, yeah it's going to be a cracking game. I'm, I'm wondering, BC, are you sticking with your predictions that you made with with Big Jim? You had a, 
You had a South African-New Zealand final. Can I talk you into an upgrade of the, the Wallabies beating New Zealand in the semi? Can we can we work on that? Oh, I don't see it happen, but we could. Let's, you know, have a side. Okay, we've got no more time for you, B. Sorry, man. <laughs> well, what we found is that Matthew Ranal is the referee for uh, Australia oh, New Zealand. Bledisloe, not special. And don't. you see uh, Carter Gordon, like, taking, like, half a second every time he has the ball. Get don't. out, get out. Yeah. No is that long enough, Matthew? Is that long enough? We play, we play. <laughs> Look, Beast, uh, it's been um, it's been a fantastic chat. We've we really enjoyed this. I, we knew we would. Um, it was so exciting to to have you on and to hear that you'd said yes to come and have a chat to us. Um, enjoy the next little bit in in France, and um, and 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 I'm hoping. In fact, I'm sweating on your predictions on Australia being right. So. You know, I'm coming after you if it's not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I hope I've given you a bit of luck there, but thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. All right, no, please. Buy a, beer, uh, buy a beer in Paris. No, yeah. I like, look do, forward to it. Do okay. keep an eye out for my, for my co-host. He will absolutely find you over there. <laughs> okay, now certainly will. The Roar. Harry, just fantastic to have... Beast Imtoria, um, just, I mean, a literal giant of the game. That was such a cool uh, chat. I really enjoyed what a that. great guy. And also, uh, he's definitely going to be in my movie. But also, uh, he's making the roar boards very difficult. I mean, these cuts now are horrible. We have James Slipper, Tropi Kipu, and Beast on the loose head side. I mean, one of those guys got to play loose forward now. Yeah, maybe. Well, and then on the tight head side, you've got Rugby Reg and Franz Malherber. <laughs> yeah, it's a really tough call. You're right. <laughs> Hell of a squad coming up, for sure, for sure. Um, mate, did you realise the Rugby World Cup starts this weekend? <laughs> TikTok, it is coming. I'm, I'm, we're going to have to go into a supreme content creation mode. Yeah, we really are. So games this weekend in the, um, in the opening round, and I'm going to read these out in Australian time, and, and it's, that's obviously not the case. I'll try and I'll – actually, I'll try and do both. I'll try and do, it obviously starts with – France and New Zealand in Paris on Friday night. That's Saturday morning, obviously, Australian time. Uh, and then that's followed a little later in the day, 9 o'clock Australian time, Italy and Namibia play uh, on Saturday afternoon. Um, and then Ireland Romania follow after that as well. On Sunday, we see the Wallabies take on Georgia at the Stade de France. That's at uh, 2 a.m. Sunday Australian time. So that's at about... 9 p.m. in Paris, is that right? Or is it earlier than that? Is it 5 o'clock in the afternoon, maybe? Uh, a lot of the games are going to be at 9 p.m. this this World Cup. Yeah, I think I think a few of them are at 5 or 6 as well. So yeah. uh, England, England, Argentina uh, play a little later Sunday morning Australian time, obviously Saturday night in, uh, in, in, in Marseille. That game is then followed by Japan, Chile on Monday morning Australian time, uh, Sunday in France at South Africa and Scotland. And then that's followed by Wales and Fiji, and that's going to be a cracking game uh, to round out Pool C on the, the first weekend of Rugby World Cup coverage. And speaking of, the, the Raw Rugby podcast will absolutely have you covered throughout the tournament. Um, Harry and I will be here every week having great rugby conversations with a host of wonderful guests. And we will, as we've mentioned on the socials a little bit in the last few weeks, we will re we'll revert to Wednesdays for most throughout most of the Wallabies pool games, um, given that 
there. There's going to be playing games Monday morning um, Australian time. But we'll have instant reaction to all the Wallabies games and every knockout game on the way through to the final as well. But Christy Doran and Tony Harper will be reporting in from France leading into every match weekend. So check out the Raw and the Raw socials to see where they pop up next. But then there's a little bonus, mate, as well. We've sort of decided that there's a few other games that we wouldn't mind talking about that we might do a few little eight, nine combos like we did last weekend again. And um, so keep an eye on, on our Instagrams, uh, Harry Baldy Jones and BMC Sport 9. And we're going to start with France, New Zealand this week. Are we not? Yes. Oh, for sure. I think I think that game is massive. I think uh, there's lots of games that shape up as real beautiful games. The box Scotland's going to be a big one, of course. Yeah. Um, you're looking at things like um, yeah, even Ireland, Scotland in a few weeks' Ireland, time is going to be big. Yeah. England, Argentina is going to be big. So there's a few games that will will pop up and, and have we'll outside. Well. Fiji, uh, Wales now. I mean, Fiji, Fiji, Wales. Yep. That sounds yep. like box office to me. Yep, that'd be really good. That'd be really good. Um, a little bit of news over the last seven days, mate, and this will get you, I think, a little bit excited. The Western Province Rugby Football Union's General Council meets this week, yes, where they will table a groundbreaking equity deal. Um, that be presented to the stakeholders, and it's said to ensure, quote, the brightest future for the Stormers and for community rugby on, on the Cape. Is it good news the way you're hearing it? Yeah, I'm aware of this deal from the inside out and the background as well. It is definitely the first good news in a long time for Western Province. Yeah. It's such a beautiful old storied uh, union and needs this. It's been needing it for a long time. Uh, this one actually will shore it up. It's a bit like, um, you know, one of those bitter pills you got to swallow, but I think it's the yeah. right to get the money in. Yeah, yeah, after everything they've gone through the last few years, in, indeed. Uh, the Premier Rugby Grand Finals um, were rounded up in Australia on the weekend with the uh, FMG Premier Grade Grand Final over in Perth, and it was an absolute cracking grand final in the end. Palmyra have beaten West Scarborough on the bell, uh, a try and conversion to win at 25-23 in the 80th minute. That's... That's taking your season right to the end. So congratulations to to Palmyra taking out the uh, the, the premier grade over in, in Perth and, and Western Australia. The European Professional Club Rugby, the EPCR, CR has announced a new five-year agreement with banking and investment giants Investec as the title partner of the Champions Cup. It means, mate, that they have finally found a way of stopping people referring to it still after all these years as the Heineken Cup. Yeah, I, I saw people on social saying, but I'm still going to say Heineken. I'm going, yeah. that was the best marketing program ever. I'm not even spending money. You still say my product name? Great. Yeah, and even when they changed the Champions Cup, it was still the Heineken Cup by – still the Champions <laughs> Cup by Heineken, so it was still just the Heineken Cup. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, Eddie Jones said on Thursday in San Etienne that, um, that James Slipper has a bit of a tendon problem uh, in his foot, and he's almost certainly won't play this weekend coming against Georgia and – uh, and, and might be under a little bit of doubt. France have lost Paul Paul Willem, so on the on the eve of the Rugby World Cup, he wasn't named in Le Bleu finals their final squad after picking up a thigh injury. Um, he was named as one of twelve reserve players, but Jonathan Dante will miss the opening game definitely. But you're suggesting his hamstring injury is maybe a bit worse than first feared. Yeah, so I think of the the by uh, Intermac Willem Sir Dante. It looks like um, that Willemse and Bai could make it back, but Dante and um, Intermac are probably yeah. out. Yeah, that's huge. And 
of those, I would I would think the best news for them is that Bay and Valencia could come back because yeah, that's a really big part of their engine room. They're not that experienced in World Cup play, but they are they are really used to winning in the club level as well as the test level. Um, what's interesting about Willems's injury, it was done on, on his own. He was doing a private workout. Uh, the French had given all the players five days off, which is ridiculous. And they all went back to their you know homes, and then they just did their workouts, and he, uh, he messed up his thigh. And that's not going well. Uh, well I, I mean, it's one of the big edges they had, right? So the New Zealand's mm. coming in with also a lock issue, but now you cancel that out. They had a prop issue, cancel that out. It's not like these walking into the opener with four or five areas where you're not sure. And so it's really – it's going to be a yeah. one start to the tournament. I mean, no one knows what's going to happen. Dante out of their midfield is massive. That like, is Jordy Barrett's going to be a big sigh of relief. Oh, absolutely. He's like tackling, you know, like a fire hydrant. It's ridiculous. Not to mention he was going to have to run at him. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's massive. New Zealand have actually had Ben O'Keefe – embedded in the camp in Germany for, for three days ahead of the tournament opener on Friday night, just trying to make sure that they're on the right side of the law. And I can imagine that most teams have been working with uh, referee officials of some description. If maybe Matthew Renau has been working with the Wallabies. <laughs> <laughs> the quickest, be, uh, quickest training ever. <laughs> that'd be something. Yeah, kicks would be real quick. Uh, discarded Wallabies fullback Tom Wright starred as the Barbarians Claimed a thumping 48-12 win over Northampton on the weekend. Uh, right cross for a double and set up another one as the side consisting mostly of Australia A players um, blew out the Premiership side in what was very much a pre-season outing. I don't think we can draw too much into that. The Cheetahs beat the Western Force 27-12 in uh, in Bloemfontein, the second match of their pre-season series, which reverts to Perth in the coming weeks, I think. And we mentioned Brad Harris last week, the Fijian uh, defence coach, and obviously the, the Drua defence coach as well. The Melbourne Rebels um, just announced, uh, I think on Thursday or Friday, that they've signed him for the next couple of seasons to be their defence coach, uh, which is a huge pickup oh, for, for the Rebels. That's a really good signing. And here's a little bit of rugby chronology for you. Um, Dan McKellar started one of his stints at the, the Tuggeron Vikings here in Canberra and was replaced by Brad Harris, who was replaced by Tim Sampson. There you go. So there you go. Um, but, mate, I think that is us done for episode 78 of the Raw Rugby Podcast, powered by ASICs. Don't forget, Harry and I are both on the socials, um, on whatever's left of Twitter and Insta and threads as well. Um, ratings, reviews, as always, please leave one if your platform allows it. We've had a swag of five-star ratings again over the last couple of weeks, and we're still somehow managing that five-star average, which is fantastic. And do please like, follow, subscribe, and make sure you see everything as soon as it goes live uh, on your pod platform of choice, particularly with instant uh, reactions and all sorts of things coming through from us over the next two months. It's the Raw Rugby Podcast with me, Brett McKay and Harry Jones, every week on the raw.com.au, Australia's biggest sporting debate, the home of all your favourite international rugby analysis, opinions and conversations. Uh, and remember, the final selections in the Raw's greatest ever Wallabies Rugby World Cup 15 will be revealed this week in the lead-up to the World Cup. And it's all thanks to ASICS, the official performance apparel and footwear partner of the Wallabies. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in your ears in the early hours of Sunday morning Australian time with an instant reaction to the Wallabies' opening match for Rugby World Cup 2023 when they face Georgia in Paris. Come beast with us.